from high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah. It's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Thursday, September 14th. A new seed store and bakery opened its doors in Cortez, Colorado for the first time recently. KSJD's Chris Clements has more. Pueblo Seed and Food Company sells seeds that originated in and are adapted to the desert southwest, as well as curated seeds from different arid regions all over the world. The company's farm is located in McElmo Canyon on land protected by a Montezuma Land Conservancy easement and grows crops like heritage wheat, rye, and barley. Nana Meyer, a baker and co-owner of the company, says that she hopes the store will help provide a return to food culture for the residents of Montezuma County after years of isolation during the pandemic. So we package everything in these reusable tins uh, that is just a kind of food safe environment, especially in rural communities where people might have, you know, some pressures of moths or stuff in the kitchen. I would love to see, you know, people just kind of starting to cook their breakfasts again and and just taking time and, and dishing it up into a nice bowl. Pueblo Seed will sell both seeds and different sourdough breads, fruit tarts, chilies, and cereals at their store in downtown Cortez on Beach Street. I'm Chris Clements. New Mexico's attorney general is opening an investigation into whether one of the state's school districts disproportionately punishes Native American students. Clark Edomitis of KSUT and KSJD has more. Last December, ProPublica and New Mexico In-Depth published an investigation of public schools in New Mexico, showing that Native American students are expelled at much higher rates. The reporting said Gallup-McKinley County schools were primarily to blame. According to the report, Gallup-McKinley has the largest Native American student population in any public school system in the U.S. The report showed that students enrolled in that school district are 10 times more likely to be expelled than public school students across New Mexico. Last week, New Mexico Attorney General Raul Torres said he would investigate the high rate of expulsions at Gallup-McKinley. He also vowed to look into how often the district refers students to law enforcement. Torres hasn't formally launched an investigation yet. I'm Clark Adamitis. A growing number of music venues are trying to make the concert experience accessible to more people. At the Jazz Aspen Snowmass Labor Day experience, headlining bands weren't the only people on stage. The music festival also hires American Sign Language interpreters, located at stage left, to sign the songs for people who are deaf and hard of hearing. Aspen Public Radio's Kaya Williams spoke with the interpreters at the festival in Snowmass Village. It's about an hour before showtime at the Jazz Labor Day experience, and Kirk Neuroth and Kaylee Janda are mostly thinking about printers. You need to go to the printer? I need to go to the printer. Neuroth and Janda are ASL interpreters, and they just got the first two set lists of the day for James Bay and the Brothers Osborne. They've spent months preparing, looking at other sets the bands have performed on tour and practicing 30 or 40 tracks for each group hoping that the dozen or so songs each band plays at jazz will be ones they've already studied. There's always curveballs, though. Like, I don't know what four of these songs are yet, so we'll get to work. The Brothers Osborne (laughs) set list has some songs New Roth can't find anywhere in their discography. Turns out several are covers, which means a little extra research this afternoon, since interpreting music is different than a conversation, New Roth says. 
When someone sings that they're feeling blue, the interpreters might use the sign for depressed rather than the color. It's not just a kind of verbatim word for word transcription, but there is a lot of processing for meaning and also then thinking about ways to convey things artistically versus just an equivalent content, right? This venue is open access, which means people don't have to request interpretation. It's already provided for anyone who wants it. Neuroth says that's a plus in some ways. Because, you know, like hearing people don't have to ask anybody if they're gonna show up and partake. And the hope then is that deaf people have that same possibility of just showing up and having access that literally becomes then like something equivalent to equal access. But it's also complicated because different people have different interpretation needs. The language of deaf people and the deaf community can be varied. So if you don't know who's there, it creates sort of a tricky dynamic to hope that you're anchoring your like language output to something that's accessible to someone. Whereas if you meet somebody who's made a request, you can assess their language and we can interpret accordingly. This is, by its nature, a highly visible job. It involves a lot of movement right next to the band, and so it catches people's attention, whether they know ASL or not. It even got a shout-out from Dave Grohl during the Foo Fighters set. Billy Idol had played earlier that day, and Grohl joked that he wanted to see what the interpreters would do during a uh, sensual song like Flesh for Fantasy. But Neuroth and Janda are very clear about their mission, which is not to be the star of the show. Here's Neuroth. I borrowed a language from a deaf community who I cherish. And my work is to, my objective is always to do the very best job that I can do to offer access to them based on sort of the appropriation that I've done of their language and culture to some extent. Which is why they connected me with Pamela Decker-Wright, a deaf professor at Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C. She uses sign language to communicate, so for our interview over Zoom, Neuroth offered to interpret. My focus is linguistics. You'll hear Neuroth's voice here, but he's speaking for Decker-Wright and translating simultaneously as we go through our interview. Decker Wright became deaf when she was two, but she came from a musical family, and her mom was intent on still exposing her to the art through drum class, dance school, music theory lessons, going to concerts and symphonies. Decker Wright says she would sometimes bring a balloon or a cup to feel the vibrations. Many deaf people do enjoy music, and the idea that, you know, all profoundly deaf people hear nothing isn't the case. Bass oftentimes is something that can be felt and you'd be surprising that it can be more accessible than it seems. So Decker Wright became fascinated with translation and interpretation of music, which she says she'd practice in college with some friends. Like we would practice the signs and the rhythms and the rhythm of the signs and play with translations. And we started to talk about what does deaf music look like from a deaf eye and over the last 10 to 15 years, there's been a lot of dialogue. Decker Wright says this is an interesting time of negotiation about who should decide how this service grows and evolves. There's a group of people who have you know, a very strong perspective that it needs to be owned by deaf musicians. Deaf people want to develop what that looks like and, and grow that field. There is another group who says, you know, we still need to do it in a collaborative way with hearing interpreters. Decker Wright says that as the field evolves, it's leading to more variety in how people interpret music. And that's exciting. We're starting to have preferences, right? 
we finally have genres, not just, you know, the music genre, but translational genres as well. At the concert with James Bay, very soulful rock and roll, Janda, the interpreter, was matching the vibe on stage. Not dancing per se, but definitely grooving along. You want to just match the vibe and the tempo and the, the message without, you know, stealing from what's happening on stage. In a venue that can hold 10,000 people, it's sometimes hard to tell who's watching until they come up afterwards to say thanks. There was a woman a few years ago, after the show ended, we were kind of back in the hotel area, getting back to our rooms, and she stopped us and was like, hey, I didn't expect to see you guys here. I'm hard of hearing. I watched the show. I got to really enjoy it. You know, I've never seen a concert with interpreters. So that was really cool. And she, you know, she wasn't up at the front and didn't identify herself to us during the show. She was just somewhere out in the crowd and was able to experience the show with an interpreter without having to do any of the legwork to make it happen for her. Neuroth and Janda say access is really the whole point. For them, this work isn't a performance in itself, but a way to give others a fuller experience of the show. Signs for applause included. I'm Kaya Williams. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, September 14th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.